Needless to say, we are in an era of increasing digital transformation and automation. And what we know about companies out there, they are helping employees build the skills needed in their careers in an age of profound uncertainty. What are the critical skills that employers are looking for in this day and age, given we don't know where we're headed? And what are they looking for? Well, what's cool is every year, the networking site that most of us working professionals rely on is called LinkedIn. And LinkedIn each year publishes two lists. One of the list is what are the top soft skills that employers are looking for. And the top three that appeared these last couple years on the soft skills are creativity, persuasion, and emotional intelligence. But what I also look for every year is what's on the top 10 hard skills. And it seems that each year there's two particular hard skills that trade places. It's either blockchain technology or cloud computing. And if necessity is the mother of invention, perhaps the cloud computing architects could not have predicted that COVID-19 would put us all at home, ever increasing the need for remote work and hence cloud computing. Now, heading into 2021, what will the future look like for remote workers and why is cloud computing so important? Well, while we may hear a little bit about the nature of cloud computing, what's particularly important for tonight's episode is we're going to hear not just the technology of cloud computing, but what are the personal journeys of one individual as it related to watching the future envelop right in front of them. Welcome to A Climb to the Top, Stories of Transformation on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Mike, I'm Chuck Garcia, and my guest this evening is Wade Hoffman, who works for a really cool company called Earthbend. Wade, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jack. I appreciate you having me today. Wade, as I opened up, and I did that purposely to really show the relevance in the world, because if we had done this show seven months ago, this would probably be a different discussion. So before we get into the cloud computing and trying to figure out what is the modern world sensibility of heading into the future, tell us about yourself. Tell us what you do. Well, I work for a company called Earthbend, um, and we have several different divisions. And, and uh, as you mentioned, you know, we, we evolved into those divisions over the course of about seven or eight years. And, um, you know, our, our core groups now uh, are focused on cloud contact center. So, in other words, outreach to your client base, your uh, uh, your support, uh, you know, constituencies um, for marketing, for support, for um, outbound uh, campaigns, things like that. Um, and that's been an evolving market in and of itself, uh, pre-COVID as as well. There's a massive digital transformation happening there, as well as what's called unified communications, which is the underlying voice capability that's been pushed into the cloud, like Cloud Contact Center. Listen to some historical context. When did this begin? Like, how far back is all this? Well, ironically, you have to go back probably 20 plus years, which most people don't realize. Um, when they think cloud, they think it's this new concept. Right. You know, Amazon with AWS, Google, right. Microsoft. Right. But IBM, AT&T, um, company called Rackspace. Um, there's a all these other major entities that have been in this space for decades. I grew up primarily in the Upper Midwest, mostly in South Dakota. Yeah. Um, ended up going to college at South Dakota State University. Got a, an engineering degree, an engineering degree in computer science. Well, as you got out and you played football, 
it's always interesting to talk to the athletes because what, what is the metaphor that you brought, what you learned on the field? What did you bring with you into your career growth? I think, you know, the level of effort and work. Um, I saw a great quote a few days ago and I, it didn't have who was the originator of the quote, but it, it went something like this. You, you earn the trophies and the accolades in the, the hard work and practice before the game. Right. You collect them after the game. It's not <laughs> the other way around, right? Right. And it's, it hit when I saw that. It's like, oh my gosh, that is like, everybody should hear that and understand that. It's the, the work ahead of time, you know, the work you put into yourself when you're not at the office. It's, you know, it's the hard work grinding it out towards where you want your business to go. Right. I think that's the metaphor. A lot of people, and another metaphor people use a lot, is like you can get to the 10, you know, 20 yard line, they call it the red zone, right? Um, you can get to the 20 yard line pretty quickly. You know, you can spread everything out, you can move the ball, and, you know, that kind of thing. When you get to the 20 yard line, though, that's the, and that's kind of that magic place where you run out of room to really spread things out, and then it gets hard, right? Getting that last 20 yards, let alone the last five or 10, is incredibly hard. And I think that's another metaphor. And I hear that a lot. And I really respect other, you know, business entrepreneurs that I talk to that have really succeeded in what they're after. And then you hear their stories and you're probably behind the covers a little bit. And you say, wow, they went through a lot to right. get to that level of success and the level of dedication and, and what they were willing to go through. And I think that's the, the part that you're referring to. And, you know, athletes, I think, tend to come at it with a bit of a different um, level of intensity and, and uh, dedication, determination, because we know that it's, it's that hard work that gets you there, right. but it's not easy, right? It's never easy. You've, you've got to really be ready to work at it. And yeah. I know when we watch a football game, sometimes watching this team try to go three inches, like, what's the problem? You just went 99 yards right. and they can't for the finish line. So let's use that with respect to now your career growth, yeah. because where you started in that computing world is a very different place than even what you're doing now. Mm -hmm. Walk us through your career ascent, not, not a laundry list necessarily, but the twists and the turns and the decision points that, mm -hmm. that caused you to change along the way. Help us understand where you were with that. Well, I, I think part of it was just being at the right place at the right time. I don't want to dismiss the fact that I was surrounded by a lot of people that helped along the way and, you know, that in, you know, were encouraging or gave me ideas that I would aspire to. But, you know, I was in that first job. One of the things I recognized right away is that I came out of an engineering program. I didn't have one business uh, class, right? So I didn't understand accounting. I didn't understand finance, um, law and business law. Um, and yet here I was at this large international insurance company and coding programs around claims management, around, you know, financial systems, et cetera, et cetera. And, and uh, what I really recognized right away is like, I don't understand what they're talking about. So one of the things that I just, I decided on my own is like, you know what, they have a tuition reimbursement program. I signed up for a junior college accounting 101 class. Right. And I'm like, you know, I, this will at least help me understand what they're talking about and how this works. And one of the things that came out of that was I really started getting interested in more of the business aspect about what was going on. All <laughs> right, take a big leap, business 101 in accounting. Yeah, yeah, hey, what so, the heck, get yeah, an MBA. But this yeah, is a sorry. parallel track here because you're the yeah. engineer, but yeah. now, now you're starting to think differently. 
right, exactly. And that's really what I think set me on the trajectory that you know, I ended up taking. Um, I really enjoyed the consulting aspect. And one of the things that I think uh, really clarified for me is that the, the rewarding part of what I do is helping people helping them solve their problems for their businesses and, and how to make them better, how to you know, help them you know, be more successful. You're listening to A Climb to the Top, Stories of Transformation on Talk Radio 77 WABC. I'm Chuck Garcia. My guest this evening is Wade Hoffman. For all of our listeners, you can always find me on chuckgarcia.com or send me a email, chuck at climbleadership.com. Check in, let us know how you're doing. And if you have somebody that wants to come onto the show, we'd love to hear from you. Wade, this is all interesting because what we're talking about so far are the hard skills. This is what LinkedIn is asking for for now. But what I'd like to do, I want to switch the focus here because many of the engineers over the course of their careers, all of a sudden, as they begin to ascend and they're promoted on the strength of their technical competence, the job description changes. And that's what you alluded to before. All of a sudden, it's something different now. Right. As you were now ascending in your career, now you've got to deal with people. Computers are pretty simple. You type in an A, you get an A. But human beings can be confounding. You just don't know. We're, un we're unpredictable in our behaviors. Right. What did you learn about leading people? And most importantly, what did you learn about yourself as you were ascending into what is now Earthbend? Well, I think it started with the latter. Um, I think what I learned, I mentioned earlier, you know, I really need to stay aligned with a passion to help people and, you know, help other, you know, the consulting aspect, right? And whether it's people internally or our company or our, our clients. Um, and I think that's one of the things, you know, early in my career, you, you're so focused on, I want to do well and get to the next step and I would do well again and keep climbing that ladder and keep, you know, obviously the rewards that come with it. I want to make more money. I want to have more responsibility about, you know, all those things. Right you think you should aspire to right and you know i think through my journey I, I had a lot of great opportunities and really neat people to work with um you know and, and people i consider mentors and you know and and people that kind of help guide my career i did however end up in a spot you know not long ago um where i felt like okay i'm i'm, I'm on this path i'm on this journey i'm trying to make all the right steps and you know continue to develop my own skills and and I ended up in a position that, ironically enough, I was making the most money I'd ever made in my career, um, had a nice title, um, had a small team of people that were doing some really cool stuff uh, from a solution standpoint for the company we were with. But in my heart and deep down, I knew I wasn't happy. Um, the role wasn't a good fit for me. Um, it was part of, I had, I had facilitated an acquisition of, uh, of a consulting division from the company I was with. And along the way, they said, well, the only way we'll do that is if you go with. And I felt it was best for both parties, um, even though, you know, I think deep down, even at that point, I knew that the culture wasn't really a fit at that point for me on the other end of it, you know, and once I made that transition. And describe that, Wade. Describe the misalignment. This conflict is the interesting part that we want our listeners to either avoid or know what it is they're leaping into. Yeah, well, I think you know in your heart, um, first and foremost. I mean, I think it's obvious if you just sit back and you kind of think about it and, you know, get some quiet time and think, okay, why am I doing this? Is it right for me? Is it good for everybody involved? Um, does it help me where I want to go ultimately? 
Um, and I didn't do that at that point. You've got to put yourself first. Um, because if you don't put yourself first and, you know, are, am I going to be happy? Am I going to be productive? You're not going to help anyone involved. So, I mean, you're, you're not going to be helpful for the company you're, you're with, the leadership you work for, their, their constituents, whatever. So first and foremost, I think that was the biggest lesson learned is I should have put myself first, taken the time to invest in what is good for me, what do I want to do, and then gone from there. I was still overly concerned about everybody else involved and getting the deal done. You know, I, I should, I look at that and I, that, was a, that was a life lesson for me. I should have noticed that immediately and then put the brakes on what I was going to do and taken the risk. Say, look, if I'm out of a job because I'm caught in the middle of this transaction, so be it. But I'm going to go do what I need to do and, and be willing to take that risk. But um, as it turned out, you know, I look at it another way now, um, you know, because I look at that more as, okay, that taught me a valuable lesson and it taught me how I want to be when I'm, you know, when I'm in that position, if that ever presents itself. Um, and, uh, and also what's important to me. And, and it also, uh, ironically enough, so I was successful there. I took a practice and built it up to a national top tier vendor relationship. Uh, um, and, uh, you know, we, we built it from basically zero to 20 million in, in two years. And uh, ironically, that success then led them to go out and acquire another company that had a much larger capacity. So I basically was a proving ground. They bought some, someone with much larger capacity and they kept their management team. So my job was eliminated. Mm. So I was fired and um, two years to the day, exact same day that they brought me, uh, me in. And uh, you know, it, it was really hard. It was a kick in the gut. But what I knew right away was that... Um, I needed to go off and do something on my own. If I would give advice to anybody coming out of school, um, whether it's undergrad or grad school, the first thing you need to start doing is fostering a network of peers, you know, mentors. I mean, that is so critical throughout your career. And people really genuinely like to help that way. And, um, and that really helped me because it gave me a network of people to just learn about what people were doing in the industry. Um, it was really a, a very common scenario for almost all of them that had now achieved modest to great success in various segments of the industry. Yeah. So you saw those common elements. What I want to do in our time remaining for no matter who, what profession they may be in that's listening, you took what was seemingly a great opportunity that wasn't quite what you expected. And you learned from that and you took a leap into another world. So put us into your world now. And as you think about, let's keep focused on the soft skills. Mm -hmm. If you think about to our listeners, who many of who are engineers, who are trying to figure out, you know, they, they were always taught, be brilliant, get the best grades, go to the bad. Yeah, all that is good. But what you're suggesting is something that you're, you're not learning necessarily in the classroom. Right. So let, let's impart some advice. What I ask most of our guests is, what do you want our audience to think? What do you want them to feel? And what do you want them to do with what the advice that you're conveying? So let's start there. What do you want them to think about their career possibilities? Right. And I think that's important. You know, I think people want to see well-rounded people. Everybody has a talent, right? It's, you know, God-given talent, and you got to, you know, just go out and find it and use it. And, and um, but I think, you know, so that's one thing. I think, like I mentioned earlier, just networking, creating a network of peers and mentors. And, and that's, you know, in college, you know, you've got lots of professors that love to do that and help out. You've got 
grads that maybe, you know, were out in the workforce after, you know, a couple of years before you graduated, you know, reach out to them and how's it going? You know, what, you know, what did you learn? You know, I, I think those are very valuable things to start early. And I was fortunate where I'd been in, in enough roles where I had, uh, you know, a decent network, but I would even, I would admit I probably didn't foster it as well as I could have leading up to that transition point um, in my career. But it was invaluable. The, what I did have was incredible. And, the, and the, the graciousness of time and advice and, you know, the, that these individuals in some cases were CEOs at that point were willing to give me knowing how busy they were and, and were, you know, just so, like I said, gracious and directing me to the, you know, you need to go talk to this person. You need to go, you know, here's something you need to do next, you know, and just, um, it, was, it was really inspiring and it, you know, inspires others then when they're in that position to do the same thing. And that's, you know, you know, I, I do as well. And, you know, people have advice. I love to be able to help and pay it back. And then some of the things we're doing now, you know, we have to, you know, have to give credit where it's due. We wouldn't be in these spaces without some risk taking and he's great at identifying you know good risk versus you know it's a distraction right. um That's something yeah. well, let, let's wade thank you it's great having you on um i i think as a parting parting words we are in a COVID crisis where cloud computing has become more important what can we expect as you guys look ahead? Security is going to be a big focus, um, and security and edge computing um, will evolve from this uh, because we're we're not not going to go back to where we were before, where it's just butts and seats mentality in, in an office. And we're what what is edge computing? Define that. Well, if you think back to what we talked about earlier before cloud computing, of course, everything was in a data center, a data closet or whatever at each business's location. And, you know, as cloud computing became more predominant, um, distributed computing, right? Um, you have an edge layer of security, networking, compute for application delivery to the people that are working remotely, whether in a remote office or divisional office or working remotely at home. Um, you know, so you need specific capabilities to manage the, the bandwidth, the security of, of that access. Um, business continuity takes on a different uh, context. Um, so all those things are going to evolve and support us in this new world where people are going to be more and more remote in how they work and where, you know, you know the functions they provide and um, that, that will continue evolving. That's what we're doing at Earthbend, right? I mean, we're shifting with that to provide those capabilities in a secure uh, redundant, um, highly available capacity um, because people still are going to need to run their businesses. It's just that now any given day, half the staff might be at their home working at the kitchen table instead of in a building. Um, so those things will be prominent. Um, IOT is another area, and I don't know if you've talked about that on your show before. No. Internet of Things is IOT. That's what it stands no. for. And, and again, it's a form of edge computing. Whereas uh, chipsets and you know, um, you know, memory and data storage has gotten cheaper and cheaper and smaller and smaller. Um, you know, you hear the stories about our refrigerator texting us a grocery list. And, you know, <laughs> right. you know, I think you know there certainly is that capability, but I think it's pretty remote and not that popular yet. But um, if you think of edge computing right now, predominantly it focuses around motion control, security systems, access, you know, doorways. Um, you know, air quality, air temperature, moisture, um, you know, things like that. Um, manufacturing systems that need to know thresholds of is a machine running at or within a threshold for temperature. 
uh, vibration, things like that. Um, there's all kinds of applications in IoT, even some people blend into like autonomous vehicles and things like that too. So Internet of Things is just basically pulling every little component that is talking over the internet to a central location. Right. Um, and, uh, and, you know, we've, again, we were fortunate enough to end up in that space as well with, you know, a big portfolio around, we're doing temp sensing cameras for our customers that are concerned about COVID. So schools, uh, manufacturing facilities, product, you know, food production, um, daycares, um, you know, all kinds of different environments that need to make sure are doing everything they can anyway to limit the risk, but still be able to open and be operational. And uh, so we have all kinds of solutions there that help with that um, and help secure the facility and make sure that, you know, they're following procedures around, you know, physical security as well um, as technology security. Um, so, yeah, those things are, those markets will be growing exponentially in the coming years. Um, again, security, IoT, cloud computing, um, those aren't going away. Those are just going to be a part of our life and more and more so as we go forward. And um, but the, the reality is, you know, what does that mean for people coming out of, you know, into the workforce? Uh, where do you fit? Especially if you're a technology, um, you know, major of some sort, um, you know, certainly picking one of those areas would be a good idea, but getting a real solid structural uh, background around, you know, uh, you know, management of those environments, um, you know, uh, compliance, um, you know, uh, you know, data, uh, data analytics is going to be huge. You know, you hear about AI and machine learning and, and the reality, I mean, a lot of people stretch that definition to where it's okay. Yeah, you're doing data management and data manipulation, but is it truly AI or is it truly machine learning? Well, you could argue that it's a marketing term now, unfortunately, like cloud. Cloud yeah. is a marketing term. Um, but it still appears on the LinkedIn top 10, which includes blockchain, exactly. artificial technology, all the things you're discussing are listed. No yes. matter what they mean, for the people that are looking for jobs, this is what they're seeing. So we got to figure out what they mean. Absolutely. That's right. And, and you know, so you have to kind of pry through what that contorted meaning is and figure out, okay, do I, do I have skills or can I develop skills around that? You mentioned blockchain. That's actually, you know, that's a concept out of encryption, which is a fundamental piece of security. Um, and uh, blockchain, uh, you know, people th immediately think of, uh, you know, of uh, Bitcoin. Well, Bitcoin is just an application using blockchain. Um, blockchain itself, though, has some incredible applications that can be used for data transmission in a secure fashion um, globally, you know, and, and I, one uh, colleague of mine that, you know, I met through a business uh, relationship years and years ago uh, started a blockchain-based company to help um, non-banked or what he calls unbanked populations globally. So if you think about the the you know the village uh, coffee grower in Guatemala or whatever, um, they don't have credit, they don't have a banking relationship where they can go and get capital to go invest in the next year's crop, um, but they do have transactional history. And if he could capture that and then turn that into something that's um, usable in a banking relationship then they could go out and do those things and continue to thrive and grow, even though they're a small producer in a very remote part of the country or the world, excuse me. And so he's built a blockchain based company um, to help them define a banking relationship that he's helped facilitate.
facilitating or brokering using this blockchain history that he's building for them. And uh, it's very interesting. It's an, another unique application, right, of, of a technology that's developed. And, and I think that's what we're going to see going forward. Cloud will be the same way. AI will be the same way. Um, you know, secu information security will continue to evolve in that manner. Um, so really exciting spaces that way. Um, but they're not going anywhere. They'll just continue to be more and more of a, a presence in our lives. Well, so. let's wrap up then. Where can they, particularly for the engineers who are listening to this, where can they find you, your company, your website, contact information, anything at all so that they can also on LinkedIn, they may want to reach out to you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm at LinkedIn, um, you know, Wade Hoffman, just do a search. I'm at uh, Earthbend. Um, that's our company. And so you can go to earthbend.com and you'll see uh, our bios and, you know, our, our contact info there. And um, yeah, certainly reach out and, you know, you know, connect on LinkedIn. I love doing that and hearing people's stories and, you know, even, you know, I love it when people message too. It's, it's fun to just, you know, chat through LinkedIn occasionally with people and hear their stories and you know, answer questions or what they're, what they're up here, what they're up to, that kind of thing. So you have tuned into a climb to the top stories of transformation on talk radio 77 WABC. I'm Chuck Garcia. My guest this evening was Wade Hoffman. Thank you for all listening. Just in case you want to contact us, please reach out. You can find me on chuckgarcia.com or you can send an email to chuck at climbleadership.com. That's the name of my company. We are proud to be a partner with WABC radio and Wade, thank you so much for coming on to the show. I really appreciate your story. Well, I appreciate the opportunity. It was great talking with you and, you know, I'll look forward to listening to your show and maybe getting on again sometime soon. We can talk about other stuff, right? Indeed. We Wait. talk about mountain climbing. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. Well, actually, whether you know it or not, you're, you're mountain climbing. Your, your story is a mountain climb. And I think what, what's, what's great about this show is everyone's on the mountain. And sometimes they choose the mountains. Sometimes the mountains choose them. And I think in your case, there's a little bit of integration is you're being led. You're trying to lead the company, but in sometimes you're being led into a direction. You're not quite sure where you are until you look back and say, oh, how did we get here? And that's mountaineering. That's career climbing. It's the same yeah. thing. Yeah, we took a ridge line over to another peak at different points, right? I mean, that's what are we doing here? Wait, this isn't supposed to be the view. It wasn't supposed to rain. It wasn't supposed to snow. And this yeah. crevasse, it's not on the map. Nobody oh. told me it was going to be here. What do we do now? Well, yeah. the, the the road is never wrong. Right. It, it always gives yeah. us. So but that's where preparation is is there for you, right? I mean, you work a lot of hours getting prepared to go climb that mountain and then that preparation and readiness to make a, a pivot one way or the other is critical in those moments it could be life or death on a mountain but you know business wise it, it's so critical too because it could mean you know do i go down the right path or the wrong path so yes. there's so many analogies with mountain climbing too and it's a, and success often happens at the integration of preparation and opportunity because you never know when the opportunities are going to arise particularly right. mountain climb you got one summit shot that is your only opportunity. So like in football, you go on 80 yards. How do you finish the last 20? In mountaineering, you can go 18,000 feet. You have 50 feet to go and a storm comes and you're not going 50 feet. You're right. in the red zone and you don't close it. So right. that, that is a lesson to all of our listeners. Wait, I'm going to shut the This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.